So you may remember that this time last year, we took a look at uh, local elections um, and we looked at how uh, it was impacted by COVID and, and the changes that were brought in from then. Uh, and this year, I thought it'd be good to do an update, especially as this year we have what is being called the biggest impact of voting since women had the right to vote. And I thought it'd be good to bring Liz Reed, um, Electoral Services Manager at Common City Council, back to maybe talk me through some of this. And I think Liz is my first ever returning guest as well, which makes it even extra special. Um, so Liz, why is this year such a key year for local elections? Um, due to the significant changes in legislation, so the fact that and people who attend a polling station to vote this year will be required to provide photographic ID before being issued with a ballot paper. And then there's also been improvements in terms of the support that we give to people with disabilities. Um, so that be ways of equipment, but also increased training for staff to try and improve people's voting experience. The voter ID then. So what is the type of ID that people will need to bring when they register their vote? So... Um, Things such as a passport, a driving licence, an old person's bus pass, uh, a disabilities bus pass, a blue badge, those types of things. If they're not in date, but the photograph still looks like you, you can still bring them so it doesn't have to be a, a current passport. Obviously, some people won't have any of those forms of ID, so they've introduced something called a voter authority certificate, which you can apply for free of charge. So there's a, an online website that you can make your application online but then if people haven't got access to that um, our team at the customer service centre at Broadgate or in the libraries will, can help support people in making those applications so we've tried to to, to help people um, you know if they've not got access to the internet as well. What are the type of ID that couldn't be used? I guess you can't use bank cards and things like that it has to be photo ID? Yeah it has to be um, government provided photographic ID basically so you can't use something like, I've been asked whether we could use our staff ID passes, for instance, okay. um, that, that's not acceptable. Um, obviously, for the younger people, there is the um, citizen cards, which are the pass hologram proof of age cards. Now, they are acceptable, but there are other types of cards that people have for that instance, say like student union cards or that sort of thing. They're not acceptable. Um how are you preparing for what is to be to come? Because I guess this is going to be the first kind of taster of, of how it's going to be and what is in place to try and help people as much. I know you talked about there as, as that they can register now, but on the day itself, what are you expecting to see? Well, hopefully, we, you know, we've done quite a lot of engagement work up to now um, to try and raise awareness. So there's been a national campaign run by the Electoral Commission. So you've probably seen adverts on the back of buses um, and on the TV and radio and that. But we've done lots of other stuff as well. Our dustbin lorries have got adverts on the side of them at the moment. So we're trying to raise that awareness. The poll card also explained it. So it had gone from being a little card that you got through, the door, you got a letter in an envelope. Um, so we're hoping that, you know, the awareness raising is 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 out, is getting out there now. Um but obviously this, there will be stuff in the polling stations, but in the larger stations we'll have somebody on the door just to meet people and say, have you got your photographic ID with you? If they haven't, they'll give them a list of what's acceptable so they can go away and come back with it. Um, so that that's the sort of things we, we'll be doing in support of that. But unfortunately, the, the legislation is that if you turn up and you haven't got it, you won't get a ballot paper. Yeah. So it's about getting that awareness out there beforehand, really. And the changes in accessibility, obviously it's important that everyone has a fair and equal chance to register their vote. And what are some of the changes that we've seen locally around the accessibility in being able to register your vote? Yeah, so um, 
obviously most of our stations were already compliant for wheelchairs, but there were some that weren't brilliant. So we've reassessed all of our polling stations this year. Any we had we used to have thirteen port cabins, which are not brilliant. We've reduced that down to eight, but we've also changed the style of port cabins to try and make it easier for people that potentially would be in a wheelchair. But we've got additional things such as um, different types of pencils with pencil grips. So if people have got dexterity problems, we've got um, coloured overlays so that if people have, with dyslexia, for instance, needed that little bit of assistance. We've always had something called a tactile voting device for, for the visually impaired, but we've also... We're trialling, um, and one of the few authorities that are trialling this year is audio ballot papers. Mm-hmm. So on our website, there will be audio ballot papers for all of the 18 wards. And in the polling station, there'll be a post with a QR code so that they can scan that and get the audio while they're in the polling station mm-hmm. and be supported that way. We've increased the training for the staff as well to have an awareness. So if somebody looks like they're struggling and uh, to offer that help and assistance. We've also introduced something called a polling station passport. So people, we've got copies of these or we've got um, one on the website that people can download, but you can write on it what your your disability is because as we all know, not all, all disabilities are visible. So the, there's non-visible disabilities. So for instance, if you're autistic, you could put that on and hand that over when you go into the station and the staff will understand that you need some extra support in having the process explained to you. Because we make an assumption that everyone knows what happens in a polling station, but they don't. Um, so so it's just about improving that that support as well um, as physical equipment. And is that a national initiative or is that just locally that we've decided to do this? So so the legislation, the, the requirement on the duty on the returning officer has increased around accessibility. There's certain things that uh, the Electoral Commission have put as good practice that you have, um, which is the tactile voting devices, large ballot papers, um, pencils with pencil grips, magnifiers uh, and a chair for somebody to sit down on basic stuff like that. Um, what we're trying to do is increase that as well with the audio ballot papers and this passport. So some authorities are doing it, but it's not across the board for those. But I'm sure eventually everybody will will get on board, but we have to try the things out first. You mentioned the return officer. Obviously, last time when we spoke a year ago, uh, Martin Reeves was in place as chief exec, who isn't with the organisation anymore. How are things looking for the returning officer this year? Okay, so the the authority um, has appointed Julie Newman, who's the chief legal officer, as the returning officer now for local elections. Um, So it's just a a responsibility that she's now been appointed as and will continue with that uh, until it's changed. The returning officer doesn't have to be the chief executive, so the authority chooses which officer they're going to appoint so um it doesn't there's no assumption that the, the new chief exec will become the returning officer the authority have appointed julie as the returning officer when i listened back to the podcast last year um it was strange to see that covid was still over it and i think we, there was um the postal votes etc and there was changes for how people could re- or an increase in awareness of how people could register their vote have we seen any kind of hangover still from covid and, and voting i think um sort of two years of elections 21 and 22 I mean in nine, in 2021 we doubled our postal voting um numbers and that sort of stayed consistent so so we we still sit about 42,000 of our electors choose to vote by post which isn't out of kilter to be honest with you with the rest of the country um I think obviously people are now accepting that COVID it is what it is and and people are just going about their their business now I think one thing it did was raise people's awareness that there were other options available to them. They didn't just have to go to the polling station. So 
um, you know, that's a good thing because hopefully it means people are more engaged in the process. I think you mentioned that last time we were just starting to catch up with the rest of the country. Is that a trend that's continued or has the rest of the country increased at the same time, which I imagine they have? Uh, they have, but I think we're still, we're now in, you know, in, in at the same sort of levels of as other authorities now, whereas we were considerably lower on the postal voting than other areas. And is that because we pushed it more? You know, why why have we equaled out when other people... Is it, I know there was lots of awareness locally around um, being able to vote through post. I think, obviously, in 20, 2021, we sent post vote application forms to anybody that didn't have a postal vote and said, this is an option for you. Um, and because we hadn't got the numbers, obviously people saw it and engaged, whereas in others, the people who wanted to vote by post were already voting by post. So I think it's just that that natural thing that happens occasionally. But I know that people can go onto the council website to find out more um, for slash elections. You'll get a lot of the information on there. Um, is that the kind of the, the home for people to find out more locally? Yeah, definitely. We, we try and make sure that everything is there in, in quite a lot of detail. So all of the information about the candidates, who's standing for each ward, all the audio ballot papers and everything like that will be on our, our, our website, as will the results in the early hours of the 5th of May. Um, I'm going to be speaking to Azraf, um, who is an inspector for the polling stations. Last year, I spoke to Alan, who was a presiding officer. Um, I wondered if you um, had anything around how people can get involved with, and maybe is it too late for this year? Is it something they have to register to kind of support on the day and the night? So, so if people want to get involved in working on the elections, um, on our website, there's um, a, if you put in working at elections, you can fill in register to go on our staff database. So we've got a database of around 2,000 people who, who are interested in working. Um, it's not too late. You know, we, we've still got some vacancies, particularly around the count, and we get dropouts on the run-up to polling day. But it, once you've registered, what happens is next year in sort of January, February, we'll contact you and say, are you available to work on the elections on the, is it the 2nd of May next year? I think it's leap year next year, isn't it? So, um, so, you know, and then you'd register your interest and in, in availability to work and uh, and we'll consider appointing. So. And is that paid role, that one? Yes. Yeah, any duty that people carry out for an election has a has a um, fee attached to it because they are employed by the returning officer to, to carry out that role. Great stuff. Thank you for um, updating us on that. I kind of got a sense last year of how much work goes into this and I guess it's even more this year with this so hopefully there's not too many changes this time next year thank you for your time and uh, thank you for updating us no worries thanks very much so we've heard from Liz around the changes this year to voting in the elections and I like to talk about the people that help it run on the day itself so I'm really pleased to have Azrav with me today who's going to tell me about his role, his history in the city around the elections and the crucial role that people play in the city to make sure our elections run smoothly and fairly. So what a pleasure to have you with me, Azrav. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, I've been involved in elections for over 25 years. Uh, I'm now a polling station inspector. So basically what that means is I visit a number of stations on the day to make sure they're operating, they're functioning according to to the, the, the plans. Uh, making sure voters are, have got the accessibility. And this year is going to be quite new and challenging with the voter ID process that's coming in where presiding officers and poll clerks are going to have to check uh, passport IDs or driving licence IDs. So that's going to be quite challenging for a lot of the presiding officers and poll clerks. Historically, I have my first poll clerk session was 
roughly 25 years ago uh, and that was really to get involved with to understand what the democratic process was and to see what and how that kind of impacts with the changes within the council because you're voting for local councillors so that was a, a great insight at that time uh, i then decided to do the presiding officer which was managing the the station itself managing the the, the process and making sure everybody had an equal right and, and valid votes to make sure. So then your role then has changed. You talk around kind of some of the inspection side work. Is that what you've been doing more recently? Yeah, I've been doing the inspector role for the last 10 years and that's very good in the sense I get to meet a lot of the presiding officers and the poll clerks and to be actually in the poll station to observe that the process has been fair and it's been followed and it's transparent and making sure voters coming in are getting the opportunities making sure they've got accessibility and and everybody gets a vote how many um stations will you go to on the day itself it's usually between six and seven uh that starts with a very early first visit to make sure they're all set up to open and make sure all of the notices are all, are there and all of the the staff are on site as well and then there's a mid-morning visit to just make sure it's functioning if they've got any issues the mid-afternoon one kind of looks more around towards the, the close of poll process and make sure they've got the paperwork and everything kind of prepared. And then the final visit is, is usually to a poll station where if it's a new presiding officer to help them with the paperwork and make sure the poll closes on time. So roughly how many is there of you on the day? On the day, I think, I think there's about 30 odd polling station inspectors that kind of divide between six stations and, and they walk you know they go and visit each station and make sure everything's followed we are the the first point of contact for the presiding officers if there are any issues on the day so we're there to help and assist so as you've done both sides of it or three sides of it i guess and um, do you have a preference do you prefer doing the role you've done now rather than the presiding officer work in the past uh i prefer the preside the inspector role because i think it gives me the opportunity to meet the new presiding officers and make sure they're getting the help and support and making sure the voting process is fair, transparent and open and, and making sure our citizens are getting the vote they're entitled to. What drew you to doing this? I know that obviously it's a payroll, like the presiding officer, I guess. And um, What is it that made you interested in being involved in this locally? I think when I first started it, it was almost, it was extra money. So I thought, okay, it, it, it it's extra money for putting aside for holidays so that kind of got me into it but the more I did it the more I understood the democratic process and how how you voted in the councillor and then how they kind of fit into the the system to do to kind of deliver for the citizens so that was the early uh, sort of a uh, intention of it uh, in the latter years my children have grown up so that I've got them involved so they are now enjoying the process but at the end of the day you know for them it's it's learning about the democratic process but it's also savings towards a holiday and it's something that alan talked about so alan who i interviewed this time last year and he talked about how he got his dad involved and is it something you do encourage people you know to get involved in yes i, I talk to a lot of family members and friends and i do encourage them that it's good for them to be involved to really see what the process is and how it works uh one year I, I, I did an evening shift at the Coventry Building Society at, after the close of poll and to see that side of things uh, and I was there 
to support from an IT perspective to help with the technologies. And that, that was quite an eye-opener in the sense of, you know, the process of opening the ballot boxes, validating them, counting them. And around that, you see all of the agents and the candidates. So, you know, and then finally getting announced by the returning officers. So that's quite a journey that you get to see, which kind of wraps up the whole process from the start of when people vote to actually when it actually finishes. So very interesting. Is this something you look forward to each year? I think so, yeah, because I think because I've done it for so long, it, it's something I think, yeah. And, and you know, one year we had three elections, so it was quite heavy going, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and really it's good to, you get to meet a lot of the candidates and a lot of agents and you get to talk to them and, and find out, you know, what, what they're doing for the city as well, if they were selected. Are there any memorable moments you can remember over the years if you're doing it, anything that jumps to mind or something that maybe wasn't expected in the day? Put you on the spot there. Uh, I, I think what, one of the things was uh, I, I got a call from a presiding officer to say they can't get into the building. This was at five to seven. Uh, so I had to rush over there and, and help them out, set up in, in the back of their car boot to at least get the pole station open whilst I did the running around to get the the venue uh, staff to open the venue for us. So that, that was quite memorable and it's something I do remember. And I kind of think, I hope I don't get that five to seven call. It's one of those things, isn't it? There's only so much you can prepare for things like this. And yeah, I think I've referred to it as like planning for a wedding, that there's only so much planning you can do. But on the day, there's going to be things that happen that, that throw it out. Of. Is it about being adaptable? Is it about, um, I don't know, being ready for anything that's going to happen? I think it's been adaptable and, and forward thinking that you will get some scenarios. You know, the poll clerks may not turn up. Therefore, if it's a two-person station, you're left with just a presiding officer. So it's just catering for whatever throws you get on the day and, and working with the presiding officers, making sure the pulp station opens, it's valid and, and people can still vote from 7am to 10pm. So yeah, it, it's not, you know, as much planning as you can do, there's always going to be something that you kind of comes up on the day you think we need to sort that. I think people know that local elections, the votes can go really tight and they can actually be really like close on the day, which obviously shows the importance of making sure that every vote cast is fair and um, is, re is recorded. Um, do you feel a responsibility as part of the inspection work that you do? I believe so, yeah, because I think it's it's an important role to make sure the the polling stations are functioning in an open, transparent way, making sure our citizens are getting the vote they're entitled to. This year is going to be quite challenging with the voter ID um, changes, which means you know people may forget their vote. They may have to go back and come back. There. We'll just have to see how what how that pans out because it's the first time we're doing this. Yeah, I think that I read that it's like the biggest change in voting since women were able to vote for the first time. And um, is there a sense of nervousness this time round of not kind of knowing what's going to happen? Yes, I think there is, because obviously it's new for everyone. Uh, you know, I've spoken to my dad and I said, you know, when you do go out to vote, make sure you take your ID, because otherwise you'll get turned away. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of talking to my family and friends, just getting that message out. But I'm, I'm sure it's a new thing and people will forget because they'll still rely on taking their poll card, thinking, oh, yeah, that's ID, but it's not. Uh, I've seen a lot of communication that's gone out. Uh, which should help, but at the end of the day, we're all human, and, and you know we may forget on the day. Yeah, even something as small as myself, I 
don't carry my wallet now in the same way. I pay for things on my phone, you know, like I've got my keys, etc. But I don't carry a wallet. I guess if it was 10 years ago, everyone would have had their wallet in their pocket. Whereas now they're probably less likely to just have their hand on their driving license, etc. So being prepared is probably something that people need to be ready for. Um, do you think there's anything more that we can do to encourage people to bring their idea? Or is this going to be a learning curve for it being first year? I think it's going to be a learning curve. I, you know, I think there's so much communication you could do. There's so much you can tell our citizens. But at the end of the day, we're all human. And, you know, in our busy lives, we, we can forget. Uh, so, you know, you might go to work and think, oh, on the way, I'll just go and vote. And then realise you haven't got your ID. So uh, all I could say is just prepare for it and, you know, even if you do forget your voter ID, you could still go home, bring it back and, and still get your vote is what we would be encouraging them to do so. And the beauty of the fact that there are so many polling stations means that it's probably going to be close to you anyway. So hopefully it's not a trek across the city. No, that's right. I mean, mo most polling stations are within five, ten minutes walking distance or a five minute drive from car. So, you know, there's 130 odd stations across the city. So that will give everybody an opportunity that, you know. I suppose the only thing that may creep in is people may come in and think, I've forgotten it, I can't be bothered. But, you know, it's the first year and we are going to encourage them to make sure with everything the elections office are doing to, to communicate to people. So you mentioned around getting your family involved. What do you see are the benefits for anybody to be involved in, in local elections? What are some of the things that you think actually you'd get out of it if you did get involved for the first time? I think the, the the key benefits are really is you you understand the process because at the moment if you're not involved all you're thinking is I've got a councillor in my ward that I don't know how they were selected what they're doing for for my particular area by getting involved you get that visibility of these are the candidates representing my ward this is what they're saying they're going to do and if they're selected at least you you could put a face to the name and say you know what if I need something or I need to raise something. I could go and raise that with that councillor for that ward. So there's there's material benefit there. You mentioned around it being 25 years since you've been doing this. Do you plan on doing this for the foreseeable future or have you got an end date in sight? I haven't got an end date at the moment. I think it, it's something I enjoy. Um, you know, it, when it's a nice sunny day, it, it's good to... Uh, obviously, when it's raining, then it's a different story. But yeah, I'll, I'll carry on as long as I I, I can provide the, the service and... and it's something I do enjoy. Brilliant. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. So all the best and thank you again. Thank you. Thanks. So I'm sure we all recognise that everyone should be able to register and cast their own vote in the local elections without facing barriers. However, historically, people with disability have still faced problems when going to vote. We heard from Liz earlier in this episode about the recent changes which are making voting more accessible for everybody, um, including changes to election forms so they're easier to understand or giving more ways for people with disabilities to vote. And to tell us on the experience of voting in the past and why the changes that are being introduced are welcomed, I've got Chris with me who's going to kind of talk me through what it's like to register a vote with somebody with a disability and perhaps then why some of these changes are welcome. So Chris, what a pleasure to have you with me today. Thank you, Aaron. It's a it's a pleasure. I'm really in, I'm really looking forward to doing this. So, how about you just give me a couple of minutes then about kind of who you are and why these changes are welcome from your side. Okay. Well, as 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 I just say, Aaron. My name's Chris. Um, I I like to vote at elections, but I found it I've, I've found it very difficult in the past. 
and my reason for the difficulty is I'm I'm actually severely sight impaired, so I've always found it uh, previously quite quite problematic to vote in person because um, of the uh, of a lot of the polling stations where they haven't had any facilities. There's been no there's been no braille templates over um, over the voting sheets or or any or any means of um, of being able to vote to vote independently. Um, having having read the um the updated uh, article on the Coventry City Council website there are a lot of changes coming into effect this year with um with audio audio polling cards um large large print um the uh, the tactile template so that you can so that so the people with a visual impairment have have more opportunities to be able to vote independently. They don't have to rely on a proxy vote or a postal vote. They can go to the polling station. They can cast their vote completely independently, and um, and and have the whole the the whole experience being being a much more of a pleasurable one. Um, uh, other other examples are that certainly at the polling stations this year as well, uh, there is. Um, polling station uh, there are booths where there is extra lighting as lighting may lighting may be an important um important feature particularly for people with a visual impairment and also uh the fact that um that more of the um more of the more more of the workers at the polling stations have been have had uh uh some understanding or some training in in disability awareness as to how they may be able to help at, at, at polling stations. Certainly, the, the 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 changes that are coming into in into effect this year do um, do make it a lot easier. And 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 certainly, I, I would recommend uh, people with a disability to to go along to the local polling station and vote. Uh, I you know I do acknowledge that certainly from my own experience and from what I understand from other people with with disabilities that going to a polling station to vote in previous elections has been an absolute has been an absolute nightmare because the the facilities aren't there or all the staff at the polling stations have no understanding or no training or have quite frankly have absolutely no idea so yeah really you know the the the, the changes that are that are being mentioned you know for this year that are happening do you know do make a lot of a lot easier and i think it's i think it's really uh, we, we've got to grasp the opportunity. Go along to the polling station and vote. But also, if it, if, you know, if if by chance you go to a polling station and, and the experience isn't good for whatever reason, then you know to have. And not everybody does have the confidence or or, or the facility to, to to feedback. But at the end of the day, changes for the future can't be made if we if we don't if we don't know where the problems. Mm. I think that's really interesting. This is the thing that I know about this podcast is that I get to speak to people um, who live it day to day. And something that I kind of hadn't really considered before, it's not just about the registering of the vote, it's the experience of registering the vote. So if you're going there and you're feeling that you, you, you're standing out because the, the poll clerks aren't necessarily um, up to date with how people vote with disabilities... I guess that would that would impact your experience of it and may potentially dissuade some people from doing it again. So is, is it as much about the experience as it is the actual vote registering itself? Yeah, the whole the whole process if you know if the experience isn't right, uh, you know from from the actual turning up at the polling station to actually being being able to cast your vote, if if you've if you, excuse me, if you've had negative experiences before or 
you know the 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 polling station the polling staff haven't been very helpful or haven't don't haven't been able to understand because they've had lack of training it it does make it does make some people with disabilities think twice about about voting again because they'll think well it, it's happened it's happened once you know why why should i go and vote because i know that i i know that my um i know that my needs aren't going to be catered for what i would also like to say at this point as well is not not just the extra facilities that are in place of people with visual impairments there are also uh, other facilities uh, that the actual polling stations are more accessible uh, for example if you're a wheelchair user or a mobility scooter user that they are they are more accessible uh, there's more space um, there's seats if people have difficulty for standing for longer period of time there's um, specific grip specific pencils that are easier to grip if if people have got uh, um, difficulties gripping pencils for any long period of time to vote so there's a whole raft of you know there's there's a whole raft of uh, of changes to make it to make it really accessible but it's it, it's having that it's having that opportunity to go along and have that have that positive experience because i think the more the more negative experiences you have it's it's the the less likely you are to do something again mm. well i imagine so and not to trivialize it but i imagine it's like if I went to a restaurant and they were rude to me and they didn't make me feel welcome and they didn't cater for my needs, you wouldn't go back to that restaurant. And I guess no. it's, there's the same kind of thing. of It's making sure that everybody is it's equitable for everybody. When I spoke to Liz on the kind of way out, we had a bit of a chat and I was really impressed with not only did you mention some of the, the changes that have come in or the, the things that they've done to make it more accessible, but the, the fact that Coventry is actually ahead of the game in some of this stuff is that there was government guidance that came in to say that the voting needs to be made more accessible but coventry has gone that one step beyond and i think you touched upon it as, as well it, it's not just one type of disability there's a range of disabilities and each of those has to be catered for individually and i i, I guess that's something that you're a big big advocate of is making sure that everybody across the suite of disabilities that there are are looked after as well yeah, we you know at the end of the day, you know it's really it's really important that the the, the the polling stations are accessible for all. You know whether you have a whether you have a disability or, or whatever you know or whatever the impairment may be that the that the, the polling stations, in my opinion, have to be accessible for all. At the end of the day, you know we've all we've all got that in, we've all got that entitlement to vote, and um, if if our if our entitlement to vote is being um, being blocked or there's barriers because because the polling station is uh isn't accessible uh, or you can't vote in person it it just it does create a barrier yes you can have a po um yes you can have a postal vote or yes you can vote in, you, you can have somebody that's um that's a nominated voter and and, and voters as voters proxy but that takes away um that takes away your own independence from going to the to the polling stations to be able to vote in person you know you, you may you may be a voter that 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 um leaves it leaves it quite late to make that decision to vote and yes the you know the postal votes and the proxy votes are great um but particularly with the postal votes you have to have you have to have submitted your postal vote in advance um and yes um with, with a proxy vote you may have you may have a nominated you know, you, you may have a nominated person that, that that can vote on vote on your behalf, but it still takes away that um, it still takes away that independence and your own experience and being able to to go to the polling station, cast your vote, and and have a sort of really pleasurable experience. 
Mm, of course. Uh, do you feel that this these changes are, are long overdue? Is it something that, if, obviously, there has been the ability to, for people to vote in various ways, but is, is you've been surprised that it's taken this long for it to come in? Um, I have. Um, it, it, you know, changes changes like like the ones being implemented from Coventry are are, are well overdue, and you know, government legislation does does mean that that changes do have to happen. But uh, and, and Coventry, you know, are are ahead of the game with the facilities that they are putting in place. But it's been going on, it's been going on for years, where whereby um, the whole the whole accessibility of going to a polling station to be able to vote independently with a disability hasn't been there you've had you've had polling stations in the past where you wouldn't get you wouldn't be able to get a wheelchair anywhere near them because they're too small or you know a visually impaired person could could go to the polling station wanting to vote in person but there's no um there's no large print um voting papers or there's no uh braille tactile markings to know to know where to vote so it doesn't you know the, the the changes coming in do do make it easier. Mm-hmm. Do do you feel that the changes coming in are mirroring um, a commitment by government and local government um, to make services more accessible? Is this a trend that's come in more recently? Is this something that is not just about um, actually how they get there or what they see? It's around experience. Is that a trend that's following it in terms of services in general? Yeah, I mean, there's there's you know. Access accessibility and accessibility is is getting there. There's still there's still work to be done, um, but you know there are you know steps in the right direction, like like Coventry are doing with the with the, with the accessibility um, facilities that they're putting in in place this year. You know do make it easier. You know let you know let's be let's be positive. It's it it it's a it's a huge step in the right direction to where we've been, but um, you know there's there's still work there's still work to be done. Mm-hmm. You mentioned around um, feeding back views and the importance of everybody feeding back because that will help inform future decision making. Um, have you got any advice on the ways, the various ways that people can do that? I think if I think if there is, I think if it's literally around the, the experience of the election or any um, or, or any aspects of the election, whether it's whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, then. You know the, the the contact details for the elections team. You know whether it's phoning them, whether it's emailing them, whether it's contacting the council generally, um, and the information being passed on to the elections team. I, f- I think it's really important that the elections team know, because at the end of the day, you know we're we're talking of the local election. If 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 the elections team don't know through feedback how well or or badly things have gone, they don't they they don't know how to improve. Or they can't take into people. They can't take into consideration people's views if 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 those views haven't been given. Mm, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Chris, I'm going to let you go. I think that's really interesting. I could have spoken to you for a lot longer. I hope that this year is going to be a more enjoyable experience for people with all all types of disabilities to register their vote this year. I think Liz and the team have worked really hard. And fingers crossed, we are definitely moving in the direction on that. So, Chris, I really do really appreciate your time. Not a problem at all, Alan. Not yeah. a problem at all. If I, if I end up doing one this time next year, maybe I'll give you a quick five-minute call and you can tell me how the experience was from this year. You certainly can. 